Welcome to The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and I feel like I've been hit by some sort of acne truck. Uh, this week, I'm joined by my co-host, friend, and the man that likes to get physical with it, especially when it comes to media, Jesse. How you doing, Jesse? Don't say that out loud. People <laughs> might hear you. <laughs> what can I say, man? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like you're not feeling too great, Michael. You uh, really did get hit by a truck of some sort, eh? Yeah, I mean, kind of in the um, vein of uh, the joking title I put for our last episode, Truck Coon. I was at a conference last week. It was in Orlando, and I think my body just was like, wow, what's all this wet air doing here? And all these people, and I just hit, got nailed by something real bad and now i'm feeling terrible so yeah congestion deep deep voice though it's pretty fun yeah it's like that episode of family guy where he has the deep voice for a while yep (laughs) did you catch we'll just call it the affliction did you catch the affliction in a theme park by chance i i don't think so i mean it's hard to say we um it was a pretty cool conference um got to do it was it's a work thing uh and it's um iapa is the um like the conference which stands for hold on i always get it wrong so iapa which is the international association of amusement parks and attractions for those that might know what my job is doesn't really make sense because i don't work for an amusement park um and we do technically have some attractions but not i think what you're thinking of like roller coasters and stuff like that but there is a pretty strong contingent of um interested parties there from similar organizations like mine um not going to say too much on that just because keep it semi-private um and yeah, I got to see a lot of really cool things. Got to go behind the scenes on uh, Rise of the Resistance at uh, Disney World, which was phenomenal. So cool. Just getting to like learn a lot about their like technology that they use for it and uh, so many other amazing things that I'm not entirely sure what I'm allowed to share slash uh, I can. I think I can share anything that uh, the guy leading the tour talked about. He's like people would he was a- answering questions. And uh, one of the people asked him like a very specific question about something. And he was just like that. He's like, the answer to that is it's mechanical. And if I say it's mechanical, it means I cannot talk about it. If I can talk about it, that means we have a patent for it. And if there's a patent for it, that will explain it better than I can. So if I say we have a patent for it, just go look it up. If I say it's mechanical, I can't answer the question. Moving on. Short and sweet. I like it. So you're not going to share anything confidential then and get the podcast in trouble then because unless you've been hoarding all of it, I don't think we're a wealthy podcast, so I'm not sure how we would do (laughs) under any sort of litigation. I mean, from what I know from uh, copyright stuff and things like that, either we just we, we we aren't monetizing this on with commercials or anything so they can't take that away from us and we're so small that we'd probably get a cease and desist letter before they even tried anything else so <laughs> and who knows when that letter is going to arrive after they officially issue that especially yes. if it's coming from florida 
Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, it was really cool. I get to see a lot of uh, the, the exhibit floor was filled with like a bunch of new technologies and like all the fun things you would see like at amusement parks. Um, it was uh, sensory overload for sure. So it was just a really cool trip. And I just unfortunately got really sick from it. And it is definitely not the Corona uh virus um it's the uh, the affliction the affliction yeah i i've taken um since i first started showing like real symptoms not just kind of like a sore throat uh i've taken six covid tests and they've all come back negative so so as far as you know not the rona yeah as far as i know unfortunately well unfortunately (laughs) well i mean at least then I could point directly to what's making me sick. Now I'm just like, I don't know. My nose is stuffy. And <laughs> my head hurts. Yeah, just, just take some Sudafed, down some painkillers. You'll be fine. Chug some yeah. day coil. <laughs> don't make me laugh. I'll start coughing again. <laughs> well, I can't make any promises there, but it does sound like you had a good trip. Cool experience. Yeah, it's nice, man. Yeah. And now we've come back and there's some not so great news that we're talking about in this episode. So why don't you you clue everyone in into what we're going to be getting ourselves into here? Yeah, there's um, so recently uh, we talked about it a while ago, actually. Sorry, let me rephrase that. This is going to be a fun one to edit. Uh, Probably just going to keep this part in, too. It's going to be great. Um, don't cut it out. Just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, so a while back we had talked about kind of the shenanigans, we'll call it that's going on with, uh, Warner brothers, uh, discovery, discovery bros, uh, you know, all that stuff. And just kind of the, what seems to be like semi, uh, ass backwards decision-making that's going on. Uh, with the company with like canning a bunch of stuff and changing things around and being like, no, we're not going to do animated stuff. But then like wanting to do more animated like uh, movies. Prime example here that kind of helps us lead into the next uh, part of our conversation is uh, Batgirl uh, was a finished movie and or effectively a finished movie. And they decided to shelve it and take a tax write off for it. And the internet is conflicted on if it was good or if it was bad. I think there's some thumbs um, that are are weighing in on that scale a little bit uh, on probably both sides, unfortunately. But um, it looked cool and at least, you know, was potentially something different that might have been not the Flash uh, (laughs) that would have come out for DC. But also... You know, they're trying to redo it and they're trying to restart it all. So there's there's some justification, small justification in there of why they might have on a uh, larger scale done something to shelve it and just try to get a, a tax write off. Uh, they also did this with the animated uh, movie, the follow up to the sorry. Wow. They also did this with uh, one of their animated features uh a follow-up to a previous one uh scoob i don't know if you saw that jesse it doesn't really seem something you would be super into (laughs) uh i used to watch 
Scooby Doo when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> and the more recent cartoon, a pup named Scooby Doo. Jesse, that is not recent. <laughs> At the time, I mean, I mean uh, Scooby Doo when we were kids was like 20 30 years old at that point whereas a pup named scooby-doo was airing at ah, the time gotcha um yeah so they there was a, a movie scoob that came out a while back it went right to hbo max or now max or now just m who knows at this point what they're doing there and it i watched it it was it was good it was all right um it wasn't like the best Scooby-Doo movie ever. And it definitely felt like they were trying to, or whoever was in charge at the time was trying to spin it off into like some sort of larger Hanna-Barbera multiversal type thing. And I don't know if that was really what they should be doing with Scooby-Doo, but uh, you know, yeah. Another conversation for another time, maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a very solid another conversation for another time. Um, so, yeah. So it was going to be this follow up to that movie. Uh, in that movie, there's like the beginning portion of like the kind of origins of them. Very similar to Pup Named Scooby-Doo. So nice semi segue there, Jesse. It was a uh, total accident. Total <laughs> accident. Um. So there's like this intro part where they're like all meeting up for the first time and they're all little kids and it's really kind of adorable and fun. And some argues probably one of the better parts of the actual movie itself between the 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 uh, between Mystery Incorporated and this movie, which was going to be Scoob uh, Holiday Hunt, if I remember correctly, uh, was going to be pretty much set in that era of them. So it was going to be kind of the younger versions of them, which you know, we've seen in Pup Named Scooby-Doo, we saw in that, and it's, I mean, it's a pretty solid dynamic um, of the team. So that got canned, uh, announced kind of just unofficially, just like, hey, we're not doing this. And then that was, you know, mostly it was, you know, people like myself that were like, oh, come on. It wasn't as big, I feel like, as uh, Batgirls um, also shelving. But now we have entered into another era where, or another... Um, event where they are shelving another pretty much completed movie here and that is uh coyote versus acme uh, an animated live action movie similar veins as space jam or looney tunes back in action just as a direct reference to looney tunes and animated stuff or even something along the lines of Roger Rabbit or who framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, so it was going to be blending the animation and live action into one thing. And the premise effectively was, is that, and it was all actually based off of a new, new, wow. New Yorker article from a while back that kind of played this uh, goofy um, satirical look at, what if Wiley Coyote sued Acme for all the faulty products that it had given them over the years? Um, and so that was going to be pretty much the entire premise of the movie, uh, where Wiley Coyote was going to be suing um, Ac the Acme company in court. And he went with like some billboard lawyer who was down on his luck and just was really also very had uh, had very terrible luck. And then he was be going against his old law firm with his abusive boss. Uh, you might know his name. Uh, 
John Cena. Insert memes here. So you're not going to be able to see him in the movie then. Oh, you're not. No, no, you're not going to be able to see him in the movie because it's shelved, Jesse, not just because it's a funny wrestling joke. See there. Now they're even taking away our solid material, too. With these. I know, right? How annoying. <laughs> so uh, and I mean, this is all kind of stuff I've read online and uh, looked into a little bit here and there. Uh, it's one of those things that it just looks when you're when I'm looking at it, I'm going, OK, it's might have some justification of why they shelved it. Let's let's do a little bit deeper of a uh, dive. Let's figure out a little bit more. And then going into it, it's like, again, it goes back and forth on the internet. Some people say uh, it tested really well with audience. Some people say it didn't test well with audience. Um, and there has been a lot of pretty hot topic in the entertainment industry uh, just because of the backlash that right now what it feels like right after the actor strike right after the actor strike uh we're looking for entertainment like it's going to take a while and so this is something that was already in the pipeline it works semi differently because it's animation it's uh voice acting uh they can they've started it a while back and then some things kind of had to slow down but the final touches were a lot of cgi type stuff and things that didn't get affected by the writers and the actor strikes so this seems like a prime opportunity for content that could be pushed out in doing the research it looks like they took a 30 million dollar tax write-off to shelve this movie and i'm not to be clear no i'm no uh, lawyer, tax uh, expert, uh, accountant, um, obviously definitely not an entertainment executive, so I don't know how all of this works. But, Jesse, do you want to guess how much the Coyote vs. Acme movie cost Warner Bros. to make? Oh, I would say it's animation and live action, maybe somewhere like 60 to 90 million wow it's actually a very good range uh it cost them 70 million dollars to make there you go that was my next guess um well that seems like they're still taking a loss there michael even with the tax write-off yeah it's very interesting and the part that doesn't make sense too is the fact that it's because of them shelving it they can't do anything with it. They have to put it on the shelf. It can never come out. It can ne be never released because then they would have to pay that money back. And from my understanding, and again, not an expert in any of this stuff. This is simply stuff I'm researching and looking into. And so unfortunately, I haven't looked into the uh, tax law around this. But from my understanding, they would also have to pay it back with interest, which is pretty bad for Warner Bros. since they, you know, have to uh they have so much debt currently going on which is one of the reasons they're saying like oh we can't you know we, we can't put this movie out because we have so much debt we have to pay off our uh our people and things like that so and by people i mean investors <laughs> so barely people sometimes so you're theorizing then that they stand to make more from the movie by just 
continuing forward with it than they do by simply using it as a tax write-off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in looking at this and doing some research, let's see if I can pull. I had a nice little chart that I got pulled up here. Charts are good. For frame of reference on like potentially why I that uh, they would have been able to make back that um, money if, and to be clear, this is assuming that they put it out in cinema, like a full release, not doing the direct to their streaming service like they did with Scoob. Um, Warner Brothers Animation um, or uh, whatever. I don't remember. I think they've changed the name on that a thousand times too now at this point because they just can't decide on what to call things. Uh, but their animation division, um, since they've you know been around for a while here, they've put out several movies um, like Lego Movie, uh, Smallfoot, um, uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, a bunch of these types of movies, animated type stuff. Most of them have been able to make back um those levels of production budget they've been able to push that type of stuff um compares comparable to what their actual production budgets were so what they brought back in the box office they were able to make back and exceed their production budgets with the exception of scoob which again is because they released it on hbo max so i think if they were going to release it on hbo max um sorry max uh, they might have been concerned about that and a little bit of that reticence around that. But even Scoob did very well on Max for them. So I, it's just one of those things, looking at this and going, why did you can it? Seems kind of in like uh, a little bit of bad faith um, that you can do this and they can't touch it. And if they take the money, they can't give it to somebody else. They can't shop it out. Um, which has been some news that's come out fairly more recently is that there is kind of there, what there's been a huge pushback from a lot of directors, um, a lot of industry people outside of this movie or outside of this like direct contact of the movie, um, talking about like how, how bad this feels, like we are artists, um, and it just sucks that you'll never get to see our art, um, going so much so that in fact, it looks like several, people have canceled meetings with Warner brothers because which makes sense to me. They're like, Hey, if I'm going to work on a project and put my time and effort into it, and then you're just going to decide that it's actually worth $30 million to you over 70 million. I think I'm just going to not work with you. I'll go to another place. Yeah. Usually there is a bit of hesitance on the side of the, contractor or whomever is being paid for said service that if said service or product is given to the boss in completed form and is just immediately thrown in the trash for a tax write-off there's a little little uh, hesitation and wariness on the side of the the working <laughs> folks yeah, which, I mean, makes sense to me. I would hate for my boss to come in and just be like, you need to do all this work, and then literally go, cool, thanks, and just throw it into the trash and be like, just wanted to use my new shredder. Yeah. One, one aspect of this that I have been very fascinated by in sort of a, a morbid curiosity type of way is the fact that James Gunn is a contributor to the story of this movie and also a producer mm -hmm. and unless something is 
cooking right now at Warner Brothers. He is still in charge and leading the next DC live action universe at Warner. I, I like Discovery Bros. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna call him Discovery Bros. in this episode. Um, doesn't seem like a great idea to me to, you know, intentionally like f over one of your most important leaders in your new film division. But uh, what do I know about business and whatnot? Yeah, I mean that was that was something I thought about too. Is like, like what if I was if I was him, I would have some hesitancy of continuing my projects with them, just because it seems like they are so willing to be like, up, oh, we 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 need to we need to uh, uh, cut cut ties. We need to oh no, we need to yep yep. This is going to be bad. This is definitely going to be bad. We need to just get out of here right now. And they pull they ripcord it out. Um, because they have a slightest concern that something might not perform, you know, blockbuster status, ridiculously high uh, levels of product. But also, I mean, we can just take a quick look at maybe some fat that can be cut at uh, the Warner Brothers CEO. <laughs> Well, you know, that option was never on the table. So, you know, ridiculous. Well, Mr. Saslav, as David Zaslav. Oh, yeah. Who's not familiar? Yes, David Zaslav. CEO of Discovery Bros. Discovery Bros. His base salary is $3.1 million. And that's just his salary. So. Who knows on top of that what he's been collecting and bonuses and oh and I actually have that for two thousand two if you want to know Jesse. From two thousand two or two thousand twenty two. Oh, sorry, twenty two. Twenty two. I mean, I'm sure the number of two thousand two is horrifying as well <laughs> for given inflation and the times, but uh sure, go yeah. ahead. So between his uh base salary of three point one million, uh his stock rewards, which was twelve million. His mm -hmm. stock options, which is 1.4 million, mm -hmm. and his non-equity, his bonuses, uh, which was uh, 2.18 million, and his other compensation, um, which was 900,000, uh, he did a grand total of 39 million last year. It almost seems mm -hmm. like maybe the uh, AKA bonuses. 21 or two yeah 21.8 million maybe some of that doesn't need to be paid to him because it seems like he's destroying fan base and destroying faith and effort and lack of care uh in products and also seems like other people are like hey i don't want to work with this organization his mission at discovery bros since the merger took place seems to me to be to milk every last ounce of profit that he can out of that place and in that position before uh, abandoning ship or jumping out of the plane, rather using his golden parachute to, you know, land safely in whatever the hell he'll be doing next. Not really any care or prioritization of 
running the studio <laughs> or the streaming service that he inherited and, and trying to make anything better. Yeah, and I know that there's something to be said and talked about the fact that they are technically paying off debtors and everything else like that. But also, like, it just seems weird to me that this is the approach that they're taking is like, let's just can a bunch of movies. Now, admittedly, it also, I think, could be the fact that he's canning movies that were approved by the previous CEO. So there also might be some of that stupid corporate, I'm the new guy, I'm going to step in and I'm going to clean house type thing that always seems to happen, which barely ever feels like it works for an organization and its longevity. Not that we ever uh, came from a place like that, Jesse. No, never. <laughs> never. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, this is kind of mostly the information is, is that uh, it seems like there might, the, there might be the potential that some people have campaigned to um, the like director and a few others. And John Cena also uh, expressed some frustrations as much as a lot of these people can. Obviously, they still have these ties to them. There's probably some some sort of form of written thing in their contracts. I think Cena only like um, posted a like the, the the end from like a Looney Tunes cartoon uh, when the news was announced. Didn't really post that much more, but people are trying to get it uh, potentially shopped around. There's conversations that there might be it might be shopped around, um, which also means that maybe the, the that you know tax write off isn't like in hand type stuff. So maybe it, we maybe we might get to see it, and maybe it gets picked up by uh, Amazon Prime, who's picked up quite a few of the other animated Warner Brothers stuff. There's some Batman stuff apparently coming out on Amazon Prime that I hadn't heard about until I started doing some research on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did a deep dive on Prime during your bachelor weekend and there were <laughs> movies that I didn't even really know. Didn't even really want to know exi that existed <laughs> actually exist. So yeah, yeah. there's no shortage of content. So I, I bet it gets picked up. I bet because it's an easy W for whoever picks it up, they save the movie. They then can distribute it. If it was testing positively, I'm sure it will you know, however they measure that with their metrics and whatnot. I'm sure it will do well on said streaming service. I would be surprised if it didn't get released. So we will get to not see John Cena in this movie after all. Hopefully that's again, if they didn't, you know, decide they're going to uh, take the tax write off or whatever. So. And then I think, to your point from earlier about, you know, the backlash against this and the fallout on the talent side of, you know, potential filmmakers and other, you know, writers and actors and whatnot, maybe not wanting to work with Warner Brothers, because why would you, to your point, want to put years of your life into something that's never going to see the light of day? Like, that may not matter to the corporation, but you know, a lot of these folks are not just cash and checks here. They're actually trying to build their careers and their art and their work is important to them. And these are things they take into consideration when they decide who they want to be in bed with, you know? Yeah. And it ain't David Zaslav. So <laughs> it's quickly not becoming him. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a microcosm, I think, of 
what is a larger issue in the film and streaming industry right now where it seems like with all of these various streaming services sort of having absolute control over what is available to consumers, you know, which has always been the case, but it, it seems to be a little more extreme recently. And given the fact, you know, some other things that have happened, but that it just feels like these corporations that run these streaming services have almost absolute control over what we have access to for entertainment and even what actually sees the light of day and gets made and that they sort of have a level of influence over you know both the careers of these you know filmmakers and then also what we're able to seek out as consumers on the entertainment side and it's i don't know i would categorize it as dangerous i think for how much autonomy they have over everything agree i think and i think this is a good point uh i'll be done with my portion and i think we can start uh, leaning into uh your topic jesse if you'd like <laughs> sure it's all connected and if you listen to our last episode where we discussed the Warner Bros. Discovery merger in more detail into the now corporate husk known as Discovery Bros. on this podcast. Um, we did discuss some of the developments that have been going on in the physical media world. Um, obviously, physical media is something a lot of consumers have moved on from at this point. I am not one of those. I am one of, on the collector's side. And we kind of got into that and, and covered those details in that episode. But what has happened since then is that uh, Best Buy has announced that as of early 2024, I believe January, they are going to cease all physical media sales, both in their various brick and mortar locations and online as well. So not only will you no longer see any movies or TV shows or anything available in the store, you will not be able to go and look for them online either. They're just, they're getting out of the game. And any, <laughs> any physical media collector has seen this day coming for a long time. Uh, and if they didn't admit it, they were in denial about it, which, you know, is sad, but true. And, if you went into a Best Buy, say, 10 years ago, you could wander the store, I would say, very, you know, very quickly upon entering the store, you would probably be greeted by some, you know, form of kiosk or uh, display with a bunch of physical media. Often the footprint of the store was heavily comprised of that physical media. They would have shelves and shelves, you know, of these DVDs and Blu-rays. And it was obviously a big part of, you know, how they were trying to get customers to spend more money while they were there. Uh, apparently that's not been going well because physical media, of course, has been on the decline 
for a while in terms of sales. And if you had been in a Best Buy recently, you would notice, wow, there's like, it's mostly we have our smartphones and our computers and then where the movies and stuff used to be, we're maybe down to a couple shelves and it's all kind of just lumped together now. Um, and now they're just, you know, they're going to get out entirely and cease to have any sort of any of these products in their stores whatsoever. And so on the one hand, you know, this was inevitable given how things were going. Uh, it's, it's a sad day. I would say for collectors when, you know, they, when they remove all of these products from their inventory, Best Buy, I think specifically was well known for releasing, uh, custom steel books that were only available at their stores for various movies, which, you know, featured a high level of detail of art on the cover and felt like something a little more unique than just picking up, you know, a plastic case and taking it home. So that is a perk that they offered collectors that is just gone now. Cause I don't think anyone's really going to fill that void. And Michael, I don't know if you've been in a Walmart or a target recently, but the ones by my house are not exactly the beacons of physical media, I would say. Um, the target that we go to is basically kind of the same, down to a couple of shelves for movies, catering more towards vinyl, which is, interestingly enough, although older, I think is doing better in sales in a lot of cases because it's back in style, I guess. And Walmart, I have always kind of felt, you know, being Walmart, they just throw a bunch of discount stuff in those sections and kind of sell them marked down to see if, you know, they can entice people to spend more while they're there. So it's not really like you're going to be able to find any of these other chains really stepping up to maybe take advantage of Best Buy ceasing these operations. They're all moving away from it. And the unfortunate part about that is it will leave Amazon is the only game in town, you know, truly offering these products, you know, with the level of, you know, inventory that can actually meet the demand of any of these collectors. And that always raises all sorts of complications about it's essentially a monopoly now and for these products and goods. So whatever they decide they want to do, we're kind of beholden to them in that sense. Um, so it's just, it's a sad day for collectors. It's worrisome that this is going to wind up putting more money in Jeff Bezos's pocket because my God, Lex Luthor is good. He doesn't need <laughs> anything else. And it goes to show too, that, you know, we're moving closer and closer away from having content that is created available to us in any form, save for what's available on streaming, which convenience, you know, I get it. I understand why most people don't collect, but it's taking more control and the ability to choose out of our hands as consumers and giving these corporations and streaming services more power. And 
Remember, again, in our last episode, just because you buy something digitally <laughs> own it on one of these services does not mean you will own it or get access to it forever. Yeah, it's, a, again, a massively <laughs> understated, uh, scary topic uh, when it comes to these types of things because it's also the fact that they can go on there onto the digital platforms and there's been some stuff that they've changed where they've added or subtracted things from digital streaming locations because it's conflicted with a former message or it's you know potentially for for better purposes of uh you know i think of like i remember them taking gone with the wind down and then like being like up oh, you know it's and then putting up the messaging at the front of it that was like this is like to be like this is the representation this is the wrong time this was never okay like and putting those types of messaging up which is good and should be done but they're also doing it with other things that they can just decide like oh we just don't want this out anymore discovery bros it's they've taken down a bunch of the other animated stuff they've gotten rid of a bunch of the old looney tune cartoons and we can't get those back if you don't have the physical media because they're the ones that own the rights to that type of stuff. And it would be hard to, you're hard pressed to find those things in other places sometimes. And if it's only in streaming, if it's only in the cloud, then you can't get it back. And it's, it's a scary prospect. And especially since, you know, you yourself, Jesse do collect so heavily physically, like, you know, you will be able to go back to those ones. And look at them again. <laughs> yeah, I may have had a drink now and then and just stared longingly at some of the physical media collection and just been like, why? Why are we here already? But yeah, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. The point being that they already did have a ton of control over what's available via streaming and what you have access to. And hey, if you know, said movie isn't streaming anywhere, then, you know, you're just SOL unless you want to pay the, the five bucks or whatever to rent it on Prime or YouTube. So it's always kind of been that way. I think the worrisome thing to me is, again, they're at the markets are always about choice. And if we don't, if we have fewer choices for how we access our entertainment and our content, and then we have less control over it. Like you said, a lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of these films are just quite frankly going to be almost impossible to watch if they're not available in physical form and they're not streaming anywhere. So it's a, it's strange to think about it that way, but that's where we're headed. And of course, you know, filmmakers, prominent filmmakers have been very outspoken against this trend. Christopher Nolan, who is infamous for not owning a smartphone and hand delivering all of his scripts <laughs> to, to his actors, you know, because he's all about secrecy. Um, but he also, I would say, is, you know, a curator of the art form. He, you know, in addition to being a prominent filmmaker, I think is just very devoted to the idea of film and being able to hold something tangible in your hands and 
actually, you know, having a physical product that exists rather than just something that gets tucked away in a streaming service somewhere. So I have noticed, and I don't know if they've done this with all his films, but they have been pretty upfront about advertising the fact that Oppenheimer just came out on 4K. And then you have Guillermo del Toro over here talking about, you know, it's it's the responsibility of everyone to to preserve these films, which dude, if you don't want to buy physical media that it's not your responsibility. So <laughs> listen to that crap. But it's, you know, I think it's a concern not just for audiences, but for the filmmakers too, because again, when you create something that, you know, you've spent a lot of time in and invested a lot of years in your life too, and maybe it's something you're passionate about, this idea that it, A, may never get created or see the light of day or be released or B, once it does, this corporation over here is going to have complete control over who gets to see it forever because it won't exist in a physical form. And I think that's as concerning, if not more so for the people who are making these movies than for the consumers. It's just a terrifying thought process and prospect of the oncoming physical media wars. I mean, I think, I think we've lost the war. I think we're <laughs> kind of dragging this thing out uh, days of future past style <laughs> and dodging the, the last corporate sentinels. But uh, I don't really, I mean, I don't really have any great recommendations for people on this. I would say if it is something that's important to you to at least have access to your very favorite films, maybe consider seeking out a way where you can own them physically if not if you know for whatever reason it's not your thing or maybe it's not feasible for you i i don't have any good answers for you right now because we're again we're beholden to the whims of you know our corporate overlords who are trying to burn the house down for the insurance money and it seems almost literally at this point <laughs> Yeah, it's we make the joke every episode, but every episode there's another prime example of that type of you know management. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so stay strong, everyone. Uh, maybe read a book. <laughs> Reading a book might take your mind off all this. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's pretty much it, right? At this point, I don't think there's much else we can talk about on this topic now, Jesse, because I'm depressed and yeah. Well, don't be depressed. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see Coyote versus Acme soon. And, uh, I bet there might be a few David Zaslav jokes in there via John Cena's character. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Maybe that's the real reason that he wanted to can it. He was upset because they used him as a reference. It would not surprise me if it was as flimsy of a reason as something like that. <laughs> these folks are, have extremely thin skin. So. Yes. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here. Um, 
Thank you so much for listening to Hit The Reel, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. We try to get this podcast out weekly, uh, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, uh, depending on how much I'm doing or if I think that I can edit uh, while at a work conference, which was a, a dumb choice that I made in my life that I was like, this will work, and then definitely didn't. Uh, but... If we got something wrong or we missed something in this uh, topic, feel free to email us at hitthereelpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hitthereelpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description of the episode. We'd love the support. And like always, hey, keep it real. Keep it real.